Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on restless roomies, considering vegetarians, thank yous for thank yous, partner not included, and waiting for baby. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question is about first names forever. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on etiquette for 2020. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. I can't believe I made it through that without laughing. Yes! (laughs) We were in the middle of quite the distraction and Chris just said, one, two, three, go! And here we go. (laughs) It kind of feels like that as as the year is closing out and we're coming to the new year. it, It does feel a little bit like one, two, three, go this year, like... I'm not taking a long break, you know, this time of year. You're like we're we're not dialing things down in the quiet of winter. I feel like we're about to amp them up. <laughs> what does it feel like inside a small tornado? That's what I want to know. Cuz I think it would feel a little bit like this. Like this, like this. If that tornado was made up of like sparkling lights and <laughs> some lovely things but and a lot of work. <laughs> also some yes, challenging things. Yeah. But I was thinking back to years past on this show when we've talked about things like New Year's resolutions. And I love our audience because for years, and they still continue to come in, I keep getting suggestions about substitutions for swear words. I am no better at swearing and not swearing than I used to be. I don't know. I do. But it is funny about like what words and substitutes have stayed over the years. And that like Snickers is really a, that's really been a substitute that's stuck lately. (laughs) But I still think I need to work on this one. And now I just want Snickers. No, sorry. I do have homemade holiday candy here today if you want some. I don't think it would sound good on the mic, but, you know. I'm actually really looking forward to it. Lizzie brought in a mason jar full of her homemade toffee. And when she plopped it down on the table, she (laughs) says to me, it's salty. You're going to like it. And I will. You know your cousin. I do. I do. If I could have made it pickled flavored, I would (laughs) have. Well, before we get away from a tantalizing tease, New Year's resolutions? I know. So I was trying to think of ones this year, and I am continuing to keep decreasing my swearing and foul language. But I think that this year I also want to just go with the flow more. 
Like, I really do. I really, really do. You know, there are so many things we could worry about, so many things we can stress about. There's so much that I have that I can lean on to let me not stress as much as 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 badly as I I could have to, Mm -hmm. that I feel like I need to embrace that. And rather than feel guilty or, you know, feel like I have to somehow be like, you know, tough and wait. I don't know. Just I want I want to just go with the flow and be grateful for what I have. That is really what I want to come back to this year. I'm totally inspired by that. (laughs) I am going to follow suit with sort of a two tiered resolution. Mm -hmm. That sort of no swearing tier for me is a little more exercise. I'm turning into dad of a three-year-old and six-month-old. I do not exercise enough. You're still so fit. It's ridiculous, though. You've got, like, not much to worry about. But good for you. We want to exercise. I will not demean your wanting to exercise. And I'm thinking really cardiovascular health, if we want to get really dorky. No, good. Yeah. It's, it's my heart. Yeah. It's my, it's my heart. <laughs> I need to work it. Exactly. Good for you to listen to your body. You know, as a dancer, you always you always did that and thought that way. So good for you to feel like, okay, I need this cardiovascular health to improve. And it should make me feel good, right? Yeah. I mean, more exercise so tends to feed you, give you more energy. I don't know yet. You I was... going to run with me? Do you want to run with me? We no. could go. Oh, okay. That is how that plays out in reality. You know, you all hear us give this sample language that's so like interrupt, <laughs> nice, and shut kind. it down. No, but really, no. That's how we are in real life. <laughs> was... Welcome. Good job confronting the issue head on with an honest answer that I could appreciate. <laughs> I've been playing with the idea of a personal trainer. Yeah. Just playing with it. I'm, I'm not quite ready to go there yet. Isn't it all a little bit about letting someone else take some responsibility for the motivation? <laughs> and I know there's also a sort of a structural advantage that this is scheduled time. You've got an, an appointment. You've made a commitment. It makes it easier to go in some ways. Gotcha. Clearly, I'm just playing with the idea. <laughs> okay. Well, good for you. Okay. So health. What's the other one? Sort of in a similar vein to your idea of going with the flow. I was thinking about slowing my flow down okay. a little bit, taking time to do the things that matter to me okay. and being comfortable saying no to things that I really don't have time to approach in that way. Dan, are you open to a bit of a challenge to your resolution? Yes. You already say no frequently, not just in the start of this intro, but like you have often told me I need to say yes to more social things. I need to get involved more. So I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. You're pretty good at saying no. What do you, what do you mean carve out time? Like you spend most of the time is at home or with the fam. Like what are we what are we doing? <laughs> Good question. I, okay. It's why I was sort of appreciating... So it was an ill, ill-placed challenge. No. Okay, thank you. No, and, and on the social side of my life, I recognize what you're talking about. Okay. And marrying Pooja is one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. In, I, you got a really great social life out of it. In many ways. Yeah. And one of them is that Pooja is gregarious and outgoing and thrives and lives off the company of others and... I get to enjoy being a part of that. So it's like enough for you. <laughs> it is. It works. It's it's a nice partnership. We complement each other in those ways. That plus the fantasy football league in the winter, and you're safe. You're good. Your social needs are met. Yes. Yeah. 
I think it's more sort of projects. And, and, and in some ways, I think what inspired me about what you were saying is you were saying go with the flow. Maybe not feel as much like you're setting these markers for yourself that you're always uh, pushing towards. Okay, gotcha. It was the way I was reading that. Gotcha. And I like to think of myself as a high achieving sort of go for it, accomplish, do things type of person. And maybe taking a, a nice easy breath on that. Of that. Okay. Is something it's worth okay doing in 2020. If the leaves in the yard don't get raked. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yes, although raking puts my mind at ease. I know you do love raking. <laughs> well, I like it. I think that those are both two really good resolutions for the year. And I'm hoping that our little resolution discussion maybe inspires some of our listeners out there to think about their own resolutions and maybe, as in years past, share them with us. Either that or it's put them to sleep. Either way, it's probably time for us to get to some questions. Probably. Let's get to it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, remember to put sustaining members somewhere in your message. We'll answer your question on the sustaining members site, now at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette, where you can access an ads-free version of the show and all your bonus questions. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled Restless Roommate. 
Dan and Lizzie, hello. I found your show a couple of months ago and have been listening to it nonstop ever since. They are particularly wonderful to listen to on my long drives home from college. I am so thankful for the work you are doing to promote etiquette to others. A few weeks ago, I found myself in quite the predicament with my college roommate. I live on campus in a suite-style dorm, two double-occupancy rooms with an adjoining bathroom, one Friday evening. I came home to find my roommate with her boyfriend and one of our suite mates in our room. It was around 10 p.m., and since I had had a long day, I began getting ready for bed rather quickly once I got there. More importantly, I had to be up at 5.45 a.m. the next morning to drive home. I usually drive home on a Friday afternoon rather than a Saturday morning, but this time that was not an option. My roommate already knew I would be leaving early the next morning as I made sure to let her know early in the week and politely remind her towards the end of the week. As I was getting ready for bed, my sweetmate asked me why I was getting in bed so early. I explained that I had to be up early and continued to get ready for bed. Once I finally got in the bed, my roommate's boyfriend left, but our sweetmate remained in the room. They had the lights on and were speaking rather loudly. Then my roommate asked when I was leaving in the morning. I reminded her that I was leaving at 5.45 a.m. I sat on my phone for a few minutes before rolling over and letting them know that I would be going to bed. I tried to go to sleep, but all of the lights were still on and my roommate and sweetmate were laughing and talking very loudly. It was impossible to sleep. I ended up just laying there for a long while, hoping I'd fall asleep or that they would decide to call it a night soon. On a regular night, having guests would not bother me. In fact, I would have loved to join them for the Friday night fun. I am usually the one that loves to provide everyone's favorite snacks. My roommate and sweetmates are some of my greatest friends. But I had a very long drive early the next morning and did not want to be tired or a hazardous driver. Additionally, I had to go straight to an important event that I did not want to be tired for. Dan and Lizzie, what should I have done? What should I do in the future? Our room is my roommate's space just as much as it is mine, and I don't want to monopolize the space or make her feel like I am. But this felt unfair and could have potentially led to a dangerous situation as I drove home the next morning. Thankfully, I got home safely, but I definitely was not as rested as I wish I was. Thank you in advance for your help. I know you will help me see how I could have approached this situation with consideration, respect, and honesty, and help me find a graceful solution for the future. Happy holidays. With gratitude, Restless Rumi. Restless Rumi, first of all, I think that you you had good reasons for wishing for others to be considerate of you. I think any time that you're trying to wake up early and you're in the kind of living scenario where you share a bedroom with someone else, there is no common area. So even though this is a suite, it's a suite with a bathroom. And my wish had been that the roommate and the and the other suite mate had said, hey, let's go hang out in my room, you know, and just move to the other room in the suite or gone and found a common space to hang out in. But that didn't happen. This person, uh, restless roommate, can you can clearly see the bigger picture. You hear them doing this when they say things like that they know that this is their roommate space, too, and that and on any other night they would have liked to have joined in. You know what I mean? Like you can hear that in the question as it's being asked. But what I'm not hearing here is any point where Restless Roommate actually asked, hey, guys, could you take the conversation somewhere else? I have to be awake at four in the morning or 430 in the morning in order to be on the road by four, you know, 545. I think that's where we're missing that next step in etiquette. Right, Dan? That direct ask is 
certainly the next step as this tiered approach doesn't work. The mention it at the start of the week, remind at the end of the week, night of, give the nonverbal cues, get ready for crawl into bed. (laughs) I think you're in really good standing with that direct ask. I want to go back to the root root here and address this idea of the shared space. Yeah. Ultimately, this is a shared living space, but it's a shared sleeping space. There are other places that a roommate or a suite mate can go to socialize. There aren't necessarily other places a roommate or a suite mate can go to sleep. This is what I think is the big division between kind of who has right of etiquette way here. I agree. And those practical concerns put you on good footing when it comes time to say – no, I really need to carve out this time for sleep. And the fact that you don't make these asks for arbitrary reasons or just whenever you feel like it and that there are even times where you would play along or join in the fun just because you could, I think that all makes it very, very reasonable to state explicitly, I have to get up really early. I would really appreciate it if we could turn off the lights and I could get some sleep here. And that's okay. Restless Roommate, we hope that this helps, and we hope that next time you get to stay up late and hang out with everybody. And most important, your day starts right and stays right. Both David and Martha have learned that good sleeping habits help you get the most out of everyday living. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next question is about considering vegetarians. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you so much for continuing to provide such great content. I listen to the podcast every night while making dinner, and it's been a lot of fun to catch up. Speaking of dinner, I have an etiquette question pertaining to dining with friends who do not eat meat. I live in D.C. where a lot of restaurants are all about shareable small plates with a mix of veggie options, healthy options, gluten-based options, and gluten-free options. You get the idea. It's a great solution for dining with friends who are vegetarian or vegan, but I always feel a bit awkward at the end of the meal when the bill comes. Presumably, when friends are sharing plates and everyone has a little bit of everything, it's easy enough to just split the check in equal ways. However, when you have someone at the table who perhaps only partook in the veggie options, which are generally significantly less expensive, it doesn't seem appropriate to ask them to chip in for an equal share of the check at the end of the night. On the flip side, I hate the idea of going through the check and itemizing what each person had and then leaving the server to sort through everything. What do you think the proper etiquette is here? Should the person with the dietary restrictions ask to be on their own check at the beginning of the meal? Should they just chalk it up to the cost of doing business and pay an equal portion of the bill? Or perhaps they pay their portion, but the rest of the group leaves the tip? I'm curious to hear what you think. Happy holidays, and thank you, as always, for helping us live with a sense of consideration for others. Maureen. Maureen, I love your sense of consideration here. This is such a great question. It's not that someone challenged you and said, oh, I don't want to have to pay this, or at least that's not what I'm hearing. You're aware of what's going on and how it impacts different people. I want to 
play out this scenario in a little more detail. I think there are some times where it is just the price of doing business and it's easier for everyone just to split the check. And I want to give you some ways of thinking about that where that idea works. It's also true for people that eat meat or omnivores that sometimes they'll order a couple vegetarian options that they wouldn't necessarily have ordered on their own and don't eat a lot of. So that sometimes the presence of the vegetarian means that the person who eats meat is also chipping in for things that they wouldn't necessarily have ordered or didn't eat as big a share of. I think sometimes when the table is sort of evenly split, when it's not a single person who's gluten-free or vegetarian, that sometimes the percentage of the meal that's being ordered in a way that accommodates those diets or is appropriate for those diets is big enough that it's sort of an even split and it comes out in the wash. Having said all that, there are scenarios where there is just one person. So that isn't all coming out evenly in the wash or where the meat options are so much more expensive that it really does start to weigh the scales where you might want to acknowledge that and make that part of the consideration. The question of the etiquette on how to do that then starts to depend a little bit on the roles people are playing in the meal. If there's someone who's clearly a host, who's doing the hosting, they're in charge of the check, they're in charge of the paying, and they get to order and make those choices. As soon as you're splitting the bill and you're talking about co-hosts, that almost by definition means there's going to be some kind of discussion about how that bill is split. And I think that oftentimes that's the moment of opportunity to suggest something like, oh, why don't the people who are ordering meat pick up the tip on this or something like that? And I think it's easier to do if you're in that meat-eater omnivore camp. And I really want to encourage people to show the same consideration that you are and make that offer if that is the situation because I know how appreciated it can be. I think it's really tough. I think it's it's really tough to sit there waiting for someone else to make the offer to you. So I really like giving vegetarians and those who are gluten-free, sometimes it's folks who don't drink alcohol, whatever it is, the option of speaking up for themselves. And I say give and let as if we have any kind of authority here, but I like to encourage people that it is okay to speak up and say, you know, guys, the dishes that we participated in were really really a lot smaller, or I really only did have a salad. Do you mind if I pay a little less this evening? Um, and I think that it's, I think it's okay to feel confident doing that. I would pick and choose which groups and what scenarios I would do it in. Just like you're saying, if there's someone hosting, you obviously don't have to think about it at all. But I think that when I'm out with folks who I dine with regularly, who know my either financial situation or they know that I deal with the vegetarian thing a lot, those are folks I would feel confident that if it wasn't being said or if it did really look like it was, you know, an unfair divide when I really think about what I ate, you know, and then what what I'm paying for for the meal. As long as it's not someone else's birthday or like a celebratory type event, I would feel comfortable, I think, speaking up. I like that distinction about a celebratory event or something where people are picking up that shared tab for the benefit of someone else, a guest of honor yeah, or exactly. someone. Yeah, exactly. 
I'm curious what your thoughts are on asking for a separate check. I like it. Is that antisocial? No, I don't think so at all. I think actually, I honestly thought that that was a great solution that we don't often talk about. But just from the get-go saying, you know what, I've got dietary restrictions. Do you guys mind if I have a, a separate check? You know, it just makes it easier in the long run. I think that's really good. I think where that can get awkward is when your meal gets placed down a part of the family style meal and then all of a sudden like your veggie dish or your gluten-free dish is consumed by the rest of the table and you really only got like an eighth of it. <laughs> like that I think I would be careful to not let that scenario happen, but practical concerns as always rule. And it's if true. the way the table is set up, if the type of cuisine that you're eating really dictates that everything's going to be shared. Yeah. The portions come out and they're not single size portions or as in a tapas where they're actually they not are big like enough shared. and yeah. you really need lots and lots of yeah. them. It might not be as practical to do something like that. So pick your time and place for sure. As somebody who is in the I eat anything camp, I would encourage you to look out for your friends when you are at the table. Make sure that when you have to order things for dietary restrictions and you are sharing a meal that people really get enough, check in with your friends um, because it's considerate. And if you are someone with a dietary restriction, it's okay to speak up and it's okay to ask for a separate check from the get-go. Maureen, thank you for this question. I hope that your example of consideration serves as an inspiration for others. We're going to find out many things about sharing with others. Do you know what we mean by sharing? Do you know what kinds of things we share? Do you know why we share and how we share? This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Our next question is titled, Thank You for the Thank You for the Thank You for the Thank You. Good morning. Over the summer, a friend of mine asked if I could help her with her son's upcoming October wedding. Decorating the rehearsal venue, directing the wedding, and making sure all things for the wedding went off well. As a friend, I, of course, told her I would be happy to help. Over the next couple of months leading to the wedding, we met a time or two. We arranged for the table decorations for the rehearsal gathering, decorated the rehearsal venue, decorated the reception. In other words, much time and energy was put in pre-wedding and wedding day. The wedding was a success and all went well. I received a hand-delivered thank you card with cash included in mid-December during our annual Christmas get-together. As a friend, I was doing a favor so no money was expected or desired. My question is this. Do I send a thank you for the thank you note and monetary gift? Thank you for any assistance you may provide. Sincerely, Janet. I think that because this thank you that she's giving you came with extra and unexpected money that you you probably do want to write some kind of a thank you for it. It sounds like you were able to do this in person, but I don't know if the envelope was opened and the money discovered in person or not. I was sort of looking at a similar etiquette point. Did you have a chance to thank him for the unexpected cash? I think if you did it in person, a written thank you for a thank you and gift becomes less necessary from an etiquette perspective. We often say you don't thank you 
for thank yous. Yeah, right. <laughs> but big exception, if there's a gift that's part of that thank you that you haven't thanked someone for in person, usually a mailed situation, yeah. that then it is appropriate to reach out and thank for the gift because it lets someone know it was received. I also just can't leave this question without saying, Janet, I'm applauding you for all of the work that you did. It sounds like a lot went into this wedding. I know how much is involved in wedding planning and how much it means to people. And To have people step up and help out like that, for sure. It's really incredible that you did this, and I'm glad that the people that you did it for were so appreciative. Yes, everywhere you go, people talk about thoughtfulness. Well, just what does thoughtfulness mean? How does it fit into your everyday life? To discover some know-how about thoughtfulness, let's follow Jane Proctor into her home. For the Proctors are one family who have learned the art of thoughtfulness. Our next question is titled, Should I Be Offended? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Happy holidays. Loving the podcast, as always, and love that your sustaining members now use Patreon. I joined. Yay. Yay, indeed. (laughs) Quick, I hope, question. I live with my boyfriend of almost three years. I moved in with him over two years ago. Close friends and family know that. I have gotten holiday cards addressed to just me. His name isn't on them. Granted, the friends and family who didn't include his name haven't yet met him, but they know about him and know I live with him. One good friend and her husband do know him, though. Should I be offended that he was not included, or are they not required to include his name because they only know me and the card is to me and I am unmarried? Side note, one family member that addressed the card to only me sent a, I am updating my address book email before the holidays. Should I have updated it to include my boyfriend's name as well? Maybe I was in the wrong with that one. You both are so amazing. Thank you. Anonymous. And thank you, Anonymous, for calling us both amazing. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glowing here just a little bit. (laughs) I want to start off by saying don't be offended. Yeah, don't be offended. People don't always know how to handle this. And we have said at Emily Post for a long, long time that long-term significant others, partners – particularly people that live together, can be acknowledged the same way a married couple is acknowledged. It is not something that people universally do, even though it's entirely appropriate. And I wouldn't take it as a personal slight or a comment on the seriousness of your relationship. I agree. I think that more often than not, this is just people being convenient. This is people being uncertain. They might have forgotten what his name was. Like I, There are definitely some people in my world who it's like I always have to double check on the boyfriend or the girlfriend's name. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I honestly, I think that this is just oversight. I think that when you go to update things, feel free to if you want to include. But I think that's also a conversation you and your boyfriend need to have. And I think that living together and having lived together for two years, you're pretty committed to each other, it sounds like. But it's worth asking, you know, like, hey, when people ask me for this kind of stuff, do you want me to start including your name so that they're looking at us as a couple who lives together? And that request before the holidays for an updating of your address is the perfect time to say something like, oh, yes, and -and so-and-so and I have been living together 
You don't even have to say that. You don't have to say that. You Just don't have to go write it there. Down and send it back the way you would like it addressed. Do you see the real time backing out of that? Like, no, we're going to backtrack. That's not that. No, unnecessary. Exactly. You just have to update with the new name, you know, and I think that that's fine. The final thought before we close this one is that if someone is standing on old fashioned principles or if they are not supportive of you living with this person, then I think let that be their thing and just say, okay, I'm not going to try and beat this down, even though I do find this disrespectful. Um, You can it is an option for you to just say, I'm going to let grandma get it wrong. You know, I'm just I'm just going to know that that's going to happen. And that is one option. But it doesn't make the relationship, I think, any less valid or the fact that you should be respected any less important. It's just sometimes you pick and choose whether or not that's something you have to stand for or not. Big picture. The good news is. You get to decide how you want to be addressed, and it's okay to talk to friends and family about including your partner if that matters to you. Anonymous, we hope this helps and that in the future cards come addressed to you and your partner. Our final question today is titled, Waiting for Baby. Happy December, Lizzie, Dan, and producers. Thank you for hosting this wonderful show. I absolutely adore the content and your friendly presenting style. I regret that I've missed a handful of episodes, but I'm happy that I at least get to binge and catch up during a long car ride this week. Big winky emoji. (laughs) All my best to you and yours this holiday season. I have a question regarding a bundle of joy. I am relatively good friends with a married couple who had a baby last month. I share a large friend group with this couple, and we were all eagerly anticipating the new arrival. I offered to help with anything that the couple needed and was abreast of all necessary information until a few days before the predicted due date. Once the baby came, the couple immediately told a few of our friends the news and texted photos to their phones, but they only told the rest of us three or four days later in a group chat. It's now been one month since the birth. At least a few of the people in our friend group have been over to see the baby, and I have not been invited. Granted, I do not know whether the friends initiated the visit or if the couple requested on their own volition, but the entire situation makes me feel disappointed and left out. Since I previously expressed my excitement to see the child soon and offered to help with anything the new parents need, I have taken the stance that when my presence is desired, they will ask for it. I feel they have a right to invite over whomever they'd like, and the last thing I want to do is impose— but I want to take an active role in these early stages of the baby's life and am beginning to wonder whether I should get the wheels turning. Should I directly ask to go over to their house or simply allow them to invite me when they're ready? Thank you in advance for your answer, Christina. Christina, this is such a tough, I mean, this is such a tough question only because I feel for you being in such a willing to participate space. And yet I really think that this is so not about you. This is about the new parents, parents to a newborn having to deal with sleep deprivation and literally not being able to think straight, let alone think I should invite this person over or I remember they said they could help with laundry You know what I mean? And it's like they literally I have met so few parents who actually take you up on the offers that you suggest on ahead of time, unless you're literally like someone's sister or brother or cousin, like, you know, or next door neighbor. And even then, even it's oftentimes difficult to figure it out and organize those visits in a way that 
is meaningful or significant for that anyone. That you feel good. Exactly. And I think a lot of parents, too, when they often, I think when they get the chance for any kind of a break, they welcome it. But they also welcome the chance to not have to entertain, not have to feel like they have to put anything on. And even if you don't expect anything, even if you expect to go over and just lend a helping hand, sometimes trying to coordinate that is is like too much. And so people just lean on the people they're already in communication with like their mom or, you know, a particular friend or something like that. So I wouldn't take this too personally. But the other thing that I'm hearing about in here is that you stated a number of things from your perspective. You said, I have taken the stance that when my presence is desired, they will ask for it. Did you talk with them about that? Because if you haven't communicated that you're going to wait for them to reach out until they're ready to start having visitors and things like that, or if you have the next line was, you know, I feel they have a right to invite over whomever they'd like. I don't want to impose, you know, but we don't know if that's what they need right now. You know, you guys needed people to set up a meal train for you. And we set up that meal train. You know, my mom just would come over and drop off meals for my sister and I can feel you not wanting to impose. I can feel you wanting to give them space and respect. But if you haven't told them that that's what you're doing, you know what I mean? They don't they don't know that that's what you're up to. They might think, oh, you know, she doesn't want to come over and see a crying baby and us all stressed out. Or she's just happy and content to yeah. be there and we'll see each other when we see each other. Yeah, exactly. Your desire to meet this newborn, to participate in this bundle of joy moment is something that may or may not be on these parents' radar. That's a really good way to put it, Dan. I really like the way you phrase that. I'm thinking about some middle ground, somewhere between directly asking if you can come over and dropping off the radar completely until they reach out. Yeah. Lizzie Post mentioned the meal train that people organized for Pooja and me just recently, a few months ago, when Aria was born. Yeah. And it was awesome. It ended up providing a structure for a lot of very brief visits with that sort of extended friend social circle. And it's also an ask that you can make that doesn't involve inviting yourself over. You can reach out and say, I'd love to set up a meal train for you. Is that something that you'd be comfortable with? And Now you've got their permission to do something for them that's going to be really helpful, that's going to provide a structure for some of these visits to maybe happen in the future. And it's a point of engagement for you that also opens the door for them to say, hey, why don't you come over and see the baby without you having to ask to do it? Offers for help are often very general. Oh, I'd be happy to help out with anything. And one thing that we recommended Emily Post is that you make your offers specific so that people have a thing to respond to, that they don't end up having to come up with that thing that would be helpful. I'd like to bring you over a casserole. I'd like to offer to come help clean floors. Believe it or not, that's an offer that it people is. sometimes <laughs> make, that, that the, the general laundry, housekeeping. whatever it is. Those Um, things make a difference for sure. And offering something specific really gets you there. They really Um, do. I also think that be reasonable with when you do make an outreach, whether you call or whether you text, that people might take longer to get back to you, that they might even forget. I remember when my sister had a newborn that there would be times where I would make an outreach to her. And frankly, it would just get lost in all the other messages and things that were happening and the baby's needs at the time. And 
sometimes messages would go unanswered. Sometimes phone calls would go unreturned. Don't think that it's a it's on you somehow. It's just keep trying, keep trying to be there as a friend. These early months are usually tough on friendships, I think. Christina, we really hope that this helps and we hope that you get to see the baby soon. Good manners, social graces, etiquette, call it what you will, all are based on consideration for others. Being kind to the other fellow in the little things of life as well as the big things. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute, And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette in your post so that we know you want your question on the show. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from Monica about Shoes Off Households. Hello, I just listened to your podcast for the first time and absolutely love your approach to handling life's complexities in a kind and polite manner. Welcome to the podcast, Monica. My plan is to join the Patreon and start listening to all the episodes. But here's a quick comment as I just finished listening. I'm Indian American, and it is definitely in our culture to take shoes off in the house. I loved your comments, especially the idea about having a nice place to sit in the foyer or entryway to make it easier for guests to just sit and take their shoes off without dropping their flowers, hostess gifts, etc. Genius! A couple suggestions along those lines. One, Make sure there is a well-lit area where guests actually leave their shoes. It can be frustrating late at night at the end of a dinner party to have to sort through various shoes to find your tired child's shoes and even worse, to have someone go home with your shoes. This has happened to me a few months ago. Someone had the same shoes in a different color and left wearing my pumps. The hostess felt terrible and the other guests were very far away by the time they figured it all out, etc. Oh goodness, that's, that's tough. So now for my own parties, I even leave Sharpies and plastic bags so guests can throw all the family shoes into a labeled bag. Maybe it's a bit over the top, but it works. Two, slippers are good, but shoe covers also work for tradespeople who obviously don't want to take their shoes off. They're a bit pricey, but you can find them at chef stores, hardware stores, etc. Thanks again, Monica. I love this feedback. I do too. The idea of the the shoe covers for people that aren't going to be taking shoes on and off that are really it, it would be yeah, an inconvenience like, and you want still to maintain that clean pristine, no shoes I house know. that one you know me i'm like yeah good luck with that if you've got people coming in to do work just clean up after them but but i think it is an option but the thing that i'm really impressed about here is the idea of having like the bags or bins or something that people as a family, because imagine you with your, you know, eight shoes of people. Well, I guess you don't really take the baby shoes off. So six shoes coming into a household, put them all in a bag, label them with your Sharpie marker, and boom, you're done. You're good to go. You're not going to mistake them for someone else's. I think that's actually pretty genius. Far from over the top, kind of dorky, kind of cool. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming 
You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about dreams for the new year. I was feeling a little poetic when I was writing the no, I'm just kidding. Dreams for the new year. I feel like this would be a good time to talk about what we're going to be working on in the new year. We've got a bunch of important projects, I think, that are coming up. I also think it's just a good time to talk about etiquette for 2020. I mean, it's what we're going to be talking about this in the Today Show segment, which I'm really excited about, but it's also the perfect time. We're looking ahead. You and I are figuring things out for the company. Like, why not? Why not just go for it? I'm leaning forward in my chair because I'm excited about this postscript. I think the best etiquette questions are about the future. I think that sort of ruling or judgment on what has come before, there's some value to it. There's, It's a worthwhile exercise to think about and engage. Yeah. But I'm always the most interested in questions that are anticipating things that are coming. I'm I'm going to be faced with this solution. I'm trying to figure out what to do. Or more broadly, I'm faced with this situation or this problem. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle it? To me, those are the, the really good questions. And more broadly, what's coming up? What are the trends in etiquette is something that has fascinated me since I started this work 10 years ago. Yeah, how can you not, right? It's it, for, for sure. For me, it's the projects. Um, like as, we, as many of you know, we are embarking on working on the next edition of Emily Post's Etiquette. And that has brought up so much just in the very starting of that project and in thinking about what that book will be and in starting to propose what the actual content and layout of that book and what its structure will be. It flexed my brain in so many ways in terms of what is etiquette? What do people want to talk about when it comes to etiquette? What do they think etiquette is? And we talk about that kind of stuff a lot around here. We especially talk about it in our interviews um, when we do media interviews. But I feel like it's really different. Like this is, I feel like a really good time to take the temperature. And we have this wonderful audience, you, the awesome etiquette audience, who we have listened to and interacted with for the past five years. That's a long relationship to be looking back on. I was going through the other day the inbox for Awesome Etiquette, and a lot of the questions that we've used on the show are then all categorized into, you know, what type of question were they, what are they about, and just seeing how how much for five years people aren't sick of talking about thank you notes or certain dining etiquette questions, or questions about co-hosting, or showers, or gifts, that these are things that they still concern us, they still matter to us. And that when you all think of etiquette, this is where your brain goes to. It doesn't immediately go to, how do I handle that difficult political conversation at the table? A lot of the times it goes to this this immediate thing that I often probably face two or three times a year, but I, I just get nervous and I want to make sure I get it right. And I kind of like that for as broad as etiquette can be for, for Dan and for myself when we're out teaching it and talking about it regularly, that there's kind of this home base that etiquette really is about treating people well, interacting with the people in our social circles and our families and our businesses well, and how how can we do that and what are the points that really make sense for us to do that in? So keeping in mind that the playing field for etiquette is human interaction, 
is that interpersonal space that we share in very immediate and meaningful ways. What are you seeing? What are some of the content areas that you're thinking about as the new frontier for etiquette in 2020? And maybe less about the way traditions have changed and evolved, but more about what are we looking at that we anticipate is going to be the new Hot playing topic. field for these <laughs> interpersonal exchanges. I, I, I don't know about the playing field, but the topics that I think we're going to hit on are, I mean, definitely the the three that you and I have talked about that we know are coming, that we're excited to be working on. Uh, well, maybe not the third one, but the first two for sure. Gender and courtesy around gender and gender identity and how people want to be titled and what uh, pronouns they prefer to use to identify by and um, just those types of things are definitely going to impact our um, advice on those categories just simply because we are going to make sure that these are included. Um, and I think that that's really important and, and getting to see that not just in a section that describes the how-to, but getting to see it play out in examples throughout the book. I think that's something we've always been really uh, concerned with is making sure that our examples aren't just names like Bill and Sally. That's something that we've worked hard on in our books up to date. And I think you're going to see that continue as we also embrace things like mix and they. And we see that as important moving forward. One of my favorite discussions to have with seminar audiences, particularly audiences that have requested discussions around non-binary gender identification, how trans people are addressed, is a discussion about chivalry and how the very concept of chivalry began and how it changed and evolved over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and how it will continue to change and evolve. I am absolutely fascinated about this topic and where it's going. Another area that we know is coming is the question of privacy and tech. Mm -hmm. Just this fall, we started to get interview requests, people wondering how to handle uh, Alexa in the home mm -hmm. or other microphone voice activated technologies that are potentially listening to our private lives and private conversations. I was house sitting and the Alexa unit started. I didn't know that it was there and that it was on and it started talking to me. It was like, I said, there's a new person. It did something strange and it asked me who I was. And I was like, no, I'm unplugging you. And like that was a it was just an interesting moment of like, how do I I'm house sitting? Can I unplug someone's Alexa while I'm house sitting? You know what I mean? <laughs> Am I alone here? Am I alone here? <laughs> There's both the privacy questions and the courtesy questions. Yep. When you tell your AI digital assistant to do something, is it important to say thank you when they do and it please. or please when you make the request? And I think so. <laughs> if you don't, does it start to reprogram your own brain? Does it have psychological harm? Does it cause psychological harm or are there benefits to being polite with a machine that? isn't necessarily appreciating it the way another human is. These are fascinating questions, and I think they're going to come up more and more and more. That and the, the video camera and any kind of home surveillance stuff, you know, do you have to tell guests? Like, that, that those types of things, I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see where they settle. I think the one that no one is looking forward to, but you are going to hear us discuss, and you've heard us discussing it more and more in the media lately, has been the issue of political etiquette and having etiquette around how we talk politics. We've always tried to 
be really considerate of the fact that our audience ship has a lot of different viewpoints in it. And we're going to continue to maintain that consideration. But we also know that there are a lot of conversations that people are struggling to have, that people want to have, but are afraid to have. And there are conversations that people want to know how to exit. And the more that we can not be afraid and talk about these things and say there are solutions and the better practice we can get at actually using these solutions, I think the more you're going to feel that tension in our national discourse sort of dissipate a little bit and and ease a little bit. So that's a little bit of what we see coming as the ball drops this New Year's. Definitely keep half a brain or a portion of your brain (laughs) thinking awesome etiquettely. We'd be so curious what your thoughts are about 2020. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you. Only today we're turning to us to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. It can come in so many forms. And for us, one of the biggest forms it comes in is through this show and through your participation and your support of Awesome Etiquette. We really want to salute you, our listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you do to make this show happen. We say it as often as we feel comfortable bringing it up, but there would be no show without you. And we so appreciate everything that you do to keep this show alive. Your questions, your enthusiasm and encouragement that listening to a show about etiquette actually makes you think and behave differently, or it makes you laugh, or it makes you scream and say, no, 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 you're getting this wrong. You're forgetting this perspective. Whatever it is that it does, we are so grateful that you share it with us and that you take the time to think about and consider other people in the world and your impact on them as well as their impact on you. You guys hear us talk about it all the time. We really do believe that etiquette can make a difference, that it can help bring the world together, that we find importance in taking care with our interactions with one another. And you, our wonderful and amazing and dedicated and ever-growing audience, you are living, breathing proof of that. And we want to thank you for being here with us, for caring about the people around you, and for caring about yourselves as well. So here's a salute to 2019. And we offer that with great anticipation for an amazing 2020. Thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you're able. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or a text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Institute. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette or visiting awesomeetiquette on emilypost.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. 
And please consider leaving us a review. It helps with our show ranking, which helps other people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.